strange. You know, I, uh, I tend to think of myself as an okay person. I guess when a guy thinks of himself that way, it's um, easy to imagine that any choice you make is uh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I didn't bribe some college rowing coach $400,000 to uh, get my kid into Harvard. I didn't get a test taker to take big bucks from me so I could cheat my boy's way into Stanford. Nothing, uh, nothing quite so dramatic. Uh, it's smaller. <laughs> and a long time ago. <sighs> but uh, I sort of remembered it this week. Uh, with all the news about the college bribery stuff. Plus, I got a, uh, I got a, a mailer from church about Holy Week, and uh, that sort of flashed me back on it. Well, the, the, the thing is, every dad wants his kid to have a leg up, right? I mean, you want to be able to brag on your boy. And uh, my boy uh, played Little League ball, baseball, all the way through. He played into high school, JV in high school. And he was okay. Of course, I paid for all the extra stuff, you know, private coaching and all that stuff that you do. Uh, well, he gets to his junior year in high school, and he decides he wants to uh, try to play uh, baseball in college, <laughs> which I knew was a stretch, a big stretch. But I'd also heard that uh, almost all the, the guys playing college baseball had all played on elite travel teams in high school. Well, I, I knew my boy was not going to make an elite travel team. We lived in Cobb County, for Pete's sake. Uh, baseball mecca. So, uh, without him knowing about it, I made some sort of quiet, very generous donations to several people, and lo and behold, he made a travel team. End of story. Uh, but it was not the end of the story. Um, about three weeks into the travel team schedule, uh, my son walks into my office one afternoon. He looks me right in the eye. He says, I know what you did, and I think it's pitiful. And he turns around, and he walks out of the office without saying another word. Silence for days. Nothing. And then one morning, I'm sitting uh, at the kitchen counter having a bowl of uh, raisin bran. And I look up, and he's walked into the kitchen. He looks me right in the eye again, and he says, he says, I know you thought you were doing something right, but it absolutely was not. <laughs> and I'm going, hey, I was just trying to help, but I can't say anything because i got a mouthful of bran flakes. And he says, I know you thought you did this because you loved me, but that wasn't love, that was pride. That was all your pride, not wanting me to fail you. And then he walks out of the kitchen, and I'm sitting there with an ache in my gut like I'd just been hit with a baseball bat. Well, I'm reminded of that this week when I got that mailer from church. 
It was uh, readings from the Gospels about Holy Week. You know, it's all stuff I'd read a lot before. Last Supper, stuff around the Last Supper. So I, I read it again, and I realized something. All of those guys who were sitting around with Jesus at the Last Supper, <laughs> they were all so full of themselves. Here's Peter, you know, I won't deny, you know, James and John jockeying for the best seat at the table, Judas doing whatever it was he was doing. And then there's Jesus, completely emptied, on his knees, cleaning their nasty feet. And, and he tells them, guys, this is how you do life. You love each other. You do what I tell you to do. This is not about you or your pride. And then after he tells them all of that stuff, oh, well, you know what happens next. All hell breaks loose and they all scatter like a bunch of rabbits and all they're left with is an ache in the gut like they've been hit with a pretty hard truth. Well, like I said, I... Uh, I was reminded this week about that punch to my gut all those years ago. And I realized I have lived most of my life out of pride and not out of love. I mean, and I'm thinking, man, I don't even know if I know how to do that, you know, live out of love. So I, I, re I read the mailer again. This time I read it real slow. And there was something else. Jesus, he gives bread, he gives wine to all of those guys who were so full of themselves. And eventually they all came back around. Well, he brought them back around to love. Because of him, all, all because of him, they couldn't, they couldn't get away from it. You, you, you can't get away from it. Once it's your story, <laughs> my story, I can't get away from that. Love. He br brings us around, back around again, right? <laughs> again and again. <laughs> On a night like this. It's quite a contrast, isn't it? The love of God what the world needs, not just some, everyone. The pride of Kurt, that was not a true story. And it was a true story, right, Kurt? It's true. It's who we are. And we contrast that tonight with the love of God. We want to start off by maybe planting a couple of word pictures in your heart and your mind. It's this first. We, we, we want to bring the heart, the servant, 
that the humble heart of Jesus close to your heart. Now you might be saying, oh, probably not a good idea at this moment. Wait, some things will happen before we get there. But we want his heart to get close to yours. The second thing is this, is that we want um, the word of God to be placed on your heart. This word love, you'll hear it over and over and over tonight. We want that to be placed on your heart. There's the old story of the, the young man in the faith that goes to the old man in the faith and they're looking at Deuteronomy and he says, why is it that, that, that in Deuteronomy it says we should put the word on our heart? And the old man in the faith says, son, it's because the way our hearts are, they're too hard. We can't put the word in. We can only put the word on our heart and pray that the Spirit will break open our hearts and the word will fall in and will be changed. That's what we want for you tonight. We're going to put the word of God on your heart, hoping he'll break your heart open and it'll fall in and something will change. You'll somehow be different when you leave here. We're glad that those of you who are a bit younger are here. I was kind of walking around earlier. Every year here, we tell the story. It's a simple story. I want to lead up for us to this moment this evening. Straightforward. God created the world from nothing in six days. We believe that. Man and woman fell. It was tragic. It was horrible. But from that moment forward, a promise was made that was kept to our father Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Isaac all the way down the line. A promise was made that one would come. And about 2,000 years ago, Jesus did. He incarnated, born of a virgin. And he came and lived a perfect life and did amazing things, water into wine, healing people, changing people's lives, forgiving. He did all of that for years and then one day he set his eyes on Jerusalem and he came down the Mount of Olives we celebrated it last Sunday and he wept because he knew they wouldn't fully get it but he told his guys hey go ahead there's a room that's been prepared for us there's a table that's been set he set the table he's the one setting the table tonight some secondary means some of the guys did it, but he's the one setting the table for you tonight. He said, go forth. The table will be prepared, and I'll come. And so they came. They were a bit dirty. They were a bit dusty, and they came, just like maybe you are coming from traffic and work and a bunch of other things. But you're here, and we're glad that you're here tonight. So I'm going to pray for us, and then my brother will continue leading us in worship. Let's pray. God, we will do that. Your word on our hearts. Break us. Break us open gently so that we'll receive it. Lead us. Guide us. Whatever you'd have tonight for us is what we want from you. You're the bread. You're the one that we come to worship tonight and to adore. So we pray believing. In Jesus' name, amen. We know it. A thousand times understates the case, right? A thousand times I've, I've failed. A thousand times. And I'm finding more and more it's just because I am just distracted. I'm, I'm not focused. 
I'm just, I'm not here, I'm not present, I'm somewhere else. Bob and I took this course on, on uh, pastoral counseling and, and one of the exercises was to, to ask someone if you're a good listener. So I asked my wife and she initially said, yeah, you're, yeah, you're a good listener. And she thought for a second. And I just had to, right? Some, sometimes you're distracted, Randy. Sometimes you're, right? You're, you're, just, you're just not here. You're not listening. You're not here. A thousand times over and over again. Jesus, in the text that we're going to look at tonight in John 13, is there. He is present. Game on. He is there and he is focused. And as Kurt already said, they're eating dinner. And can you imagine this? He gets up and he starts washing their feet. One. Just, kneel, knee, can you, just kneeling down. And sandals are off and washing feet. One, two, three, four. Just five here. Twelve. Can you imagine how long that took? And, and they were just... Were they eating? Were they sitting? Were they thinking? Were they shocked? Were they just one after the... And, and what's being said? What are you going to say when someone is going... Peter had this little dialogue with him, right? You know that story. But he's washing feet, demonstrating his love. He sits back down, and then he says this. This is from John 13. You'll see it on the screen. He says, My children, I'll be with you only a little longer... You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, can you imagine Jesus being here tonight and saying that? I'm not, you can't go where I'm going to go. Here's what I'm saying to you. Love one another. People will know you're my disciples if you love one another. Focus on that one thing. I've just shown you that. I've washed your feet. I've shown that to you. Love one another. What would you think? What would be the first thought that would come to your mind? What would be your reaction? Here's Peter's reaction. The very next verse. Lord, where are you going? Where are you going to go? What's going on next? What's happening next? Now remember, they don't understand the cross. That hasn't happened. The brutality of the cross and the suffering all has not happened yet. They know this cool thing has happened. He is, they are thinking, this guy is a beast. He's coming to Jerusalem. He's throwing a bunch of people out, out of the, the temple. The, our, our time is about to come. He is healing people. He is multiplying loads. And he's doing all these things here. All these things are about to happen. We want to make sure we're going and doing that with him. Whatever's happening next, that's what we want to do. And he says to them, you can't go where I'm... Love one another. Love one another. So there's this contrast for us tonight, right? We, we, are, we are fixating on other things. It's our nature, it's our society, it's our cell phones, it's our internet, it's all those things out there, doing this, doing this, doing this, another thing out there. And Jesus is saying to us tonight, love one another as I have loved you. So the question is, how will we get there? How will we go there? 
We said we wanted to put God's word on your heart tonight in the hopes that he would break it, right? And it would fall in. So the Greek word is eleison. Some of you have heard it before. Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy. Kyrie eleison. The tax collector says it. There's the guys up at the front here, the, the Pharisees, me and Ryan, the Pharisees. Thank God we're not like those people. And he's way at the back over there, right? The tax collector. He's just saying, Lord, have mercy. Ilehizon is, is the Greek word. Ilehizon, have mercy on me, a sinner. The woman cries out to him. The blind men cry out. They use the same word. Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Ilehizon, have mercy on us. They are not saying this. They are not saying, hey, you're going to judge us harshly. Would you, could we cop a plea? Have mercy on us. Give us a lighter sentence. We're not going to say that tonight either. The judgment's already been meted out, hasn't it, on Jesus. He's paid the price in full. So why would we say, Lord, have mercy? Eleison. The root word is eleo, which means oil. We want that word on your heart. We're going to ask him to put his oil on our hearts. We're sick. We're wounded. We have sores. We're sinful. We're going to ask him, before we even confess, we're going to ask him to do something first. Just to say, would you pour the, oil, the balm of Gilead, would you pour that on your mercy, eleison, Ileo, the oil of God. Would you anoint us? Would you do a work on us? Would you do a work in us that we might be opened up, that we might then confess, that we might then receive an assurance, that we might then come to your table, that we might then receive whatever you have for us tonight? So we're going to give you some space here. Uh, Ryan's going to do whatever Ryan does over there. And we're going to give you just some space here. Just to ask the Lord, not confession, Bob will do that in a minute, but just to ask the Lord to do a work in your life, to touch you, to heal you, to shore you up, whatever you need tonight. Ask him for that, and then Bob will come. There's a theologian who was asked once, uh, when we saved, and he said, it was an afternoon sometime around the year 30 AD. And if we're really, I guess we could be more biblical, the Apostle Paul says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Christian, if you're in Christ, you are. You're his. And he calls us now to come and confess our sins. I have thought this week that, uh, you know, how did they do that? How, how after three times he told him he was going to Jerusalem and he was going to die and he was going to suffer? He said that three times and three different times. What do they do? They deny, they go to sleep. They flee, they even betray. You ever think, I'd never do that. I'd never be like that. You know, my parents told me to stick by my friends. They didn't do that, did they? I'm a person of my word, right? What I say, I'll do it. 
They didn't stick by the word. Are we like them? Are we like them? Let's pray. Our God in heaven, if we're honest, yes. <laughs> if we're honest, yes. By the way we live, often, Lord, we deny you. By what we say, often we deny you. We take your name in vain. Lord, have mercy. God, you called us to be alert for the kingdom is at hand. And yet, God, we live often in slumber, not aware of you and your kingdom, not loving you nor loving others. God, we're like the disciples. We sleep. As they jockeyed for position, who would be the greatest, Lord, forgive us, that we're often concerned about where we're on the ladder of success. Where are we there? God, have mercy. And Lord, we flee like the disciples. When it gets difficult, we run. When it gets difficult, we hide. God, you call us to come to yourself and you will receive us because we're your children. So Lord, we come confessing our sins that we offer not people of our words, that we don't always stick by our friends, but we thank you that you stick by us. So now we corporately confess to you our sins, believing now that you will receive our confession as we say it together. If you'll look on the screen, it says leader, but oh, it does say all together. They changed it. Thank you. Let's read this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Christian, hear the word of God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. You know, it's, uh, as Kurt is talking, and you may be thinking, speak for yourself, Bob. Uh, they were full of themselves. Of course, I think you're, you're getting the word tonight, right? That's us. <laughs> That's us. 
But God's grace and love is greater than we can ever imagine. And so as we come to take the table tonight, a reminder of the grace and love that was demonstrated to us at the cross, as we remember that tomorrow, and as we celebrate his resurrection on Sunday, and we believe this is a table, it's his table, it's not our table, but at his table as he invites us, people like them, people like us, full of themselves, loved by the Savior. That's the great news tonight as we take this table, that he calls us to himself, and we are his, and he invites us to come. The only ones I would say that need not come tonight are those who do not profess a faith in Christ. If that's you, uh, I would encourage you to, to hold back. For those who are saying, hey, I'm a, a part of this church or another church, you're saying, I'm a, I'm a part of a community of faith. Because I believe and we believe that ultimately to be in Christ is to be a part of his church somewhere, whether it's here or somewhere else. Um, so this is for believers. But for those of you in Christ that you may say, uh, I'm not willing to let go of this. Um, I know he's convicted me of this sin and, and something that uh, I'm aware of. And I need to let go of that, but I'm not willing to do that then I would encourage you tonight to not, not take the table. But if you're willing to say, Lord, I'm going to come tonight, bring it before you, and just confess it before you, believing that in Christ, in Christ alone, that we're forgiven, then this table's for you. And he'll receive you. He says, come to me all who are weary. Ryan said it. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every time I read that passage, uh, I am reminded that is God speaking. Saying, come to me and you'll find rest. I don't know how many of you all feel that way. You, you look at God and he kind of goes, you know, shape up. Get it together. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of all these promises you're making. Is that the God you serve? I hope not. You serve a God that says, come to me. Deal with your sin. Admit it. Confess it. But come and you'll know that you'll find rest. And so as we take the table tonight, I want you to know that there's rest here as we take the bread and we take the juice. The way we'll do this here is that uh, it's, it's intention. Uh, the elders will be, we'll have some elders down here, uh, some in the back, and what you do is you come forward, you'll take the cracker and you'll dip it. So don't grab the, the uh, goblet there, but uh, you'll dip it. And here's what I'd like, like us to do as we take it. We'll have well, some down, elders down here. I'd like for, I'm, I hate to do this, but I, I gotta give some instruction here. For those of you over here, what you want you to do is just come down this aisle here and exit up that way. For those in you this section, come down this way and exit that way. For those of you over here, <laughs> come down this way as well and exit through there. And then this last one over here, uh, come down this aisle and exit that way. In the back, you're on your own. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, we'll have two elders over here, one over there, and then one over there. And you should be able to, to get to them. Uh, I'm going to ask the elders now if they'll come forward and, and, and uh, get the elements.
and when I have them go to their stations. Let me encourage you, those of you down front here, just allow the people in the front rows to go first, and as you see the row start to thin down, then the person, you on the end, you got the big job, you, you got to get your row up and start coming forward, but just as you see it sort of uh, emptying out. As we take the table tonight, remember this is a means of grace. Not saving, doesn't save you, but the means of grace being we're going to believe the presence of Christ is with us here tonight. And we're just, I'm going to pray in a minute, and as we do, I'm going to ask God just to, by faith, and I encourage you to, as we pray by faith, believing that he is here and he'll do a work in and through this, this time together. Let me pray. God in heaven. We thank you that this is your table. And now as we come to take it, as we take this bread and as we take this juice, Lord, uh, as it represents your body, which was given for us, your blood, uh, your, your blood, which was shed for us, that God, we recognize as we remember what you've done, we recognize also, God, that you're present, we're here with us. And so we pray that you would use this evening as we spiritually feed upon you that, God, you would do a work. And I don't know what that is, God, but you do. And so I pray that, Lord, most of all what people would happen tonight is that people would be more aware of the unmistakable love of you, that here we are, people that are full of themselves, and yet you love us. You came and died for us. You gave your life for us. And you continue to work. And so God, remind us of that. But I'd also ask your mercy tonight that maybe what you would do, Lord, is that maybe tonight you would heal. You would heal someone physically. You would heal a broken relationship. You would restore relationships. That God, maybe someone who is deeply hurting dealing with past issues, maybe a lot of anxiety or depression or anger, that God, that you would do a work tonight as God, we feed upon you, recognizing the real true love that's evident here. It's your love for us. And so I pray use this time as we take this table. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture says that on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink this as often as you do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Think about that. As we take the table tonight, we're proclaiming the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know, in the early church, this is a celebration. It's a celebration. And so let's remember that. You know, it may, for some of us, it may be solemn time, but it's also a time of celebration because of our Savior and what he's done. As I mentioned to you, those in this come down this side. Those you all know over there, let's now take the table. Uh, the Lord, we give you this elements as the Lord has given to us. We serve in your name, in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming this evening. Uh, it's a joy for us uh, to gather with you, and, and thank you, worship team, for leading us. I appreciate it very much. 
Uh, tomorrow uh, at noon, we're going to have a good Friday service in here. I want to encourage you to be here. It's a wonderful service we have every year as we remember that day uh, when our Lord uh, was crucified uh, on our behalf. So it's a, it's a, it's a day, of, it's a sober day, but good thing as we remember what he accomplished. At noon, he'll be uh, here, and I look forward to seeing you there. Now God's benediction. Now go in peace. Love one another from the heart. Help the weak. Pray without ceasing. Preach the gospel. Remember, you're a new creation in Christ, created for good works. And there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed.